Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Thursday, January 27th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access whatever it is you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot, five-star ratings across the board. Check out LibertyShield.com. And use the code EPL599 to get $5.99 off your first month. So first month for one quid with the code EPL599. No contract, no long-term commitment. Get using straight away. Instant download to your devices. LibertyShield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland. Shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. It's Thursday. So it's questions day. We've got a bunch of questions. What we're going to do, we're going to run through the latest news and then we're going to hit, hit into those questions. So let's start out with Newcastle are about to walk away from the potential loan deal for Jesse Lingard because the entire deal would cost them basically, basically a million quid a week for the joy of having Jesse Lingard. So let's put that one away. Uh, Vitor Pereira has been busy going on the offensive, trying to talk himself up. Everton fans are not keen, largely, I think, because they don't know who he is. Uh, I had Everton fans trying to tell me yesterday he's done nothing in a decade. Well, that's not true. And at the same time, they were trying to tell me that Frank Lampard's a good manager. That's also not true. Victor Pereira's not a great manager, but as I said yesterday, he's actually managed. He's done things. He has achieved things in his managerial career. Frank Lampard took Derby from 6th to 6th and bottled the playoff final. Frank Lampard took Chelsea from 3rd to 4th snuck into the Champions League because Leicester bottled it, and then he bottled an FA Cup final himself. He never once had them higher than third in the Premier League. And as I've said before, getting top four with Chelsea is like getting a free toy in your Happy Meal. It sounds good. It doesn't really mean much. He never had them in a real position to do anything of note. They were going in one direction very quickly when he got sacked, and that was towards the mid-table, 
Simeone would have embarrassed them in the Champions League and they would have had nothing to show for the last two seasons. Instead, they sacked him, they got Tuchel, they won a Champions League. That was the calibre of squad that Frank Lampard was working with. That was the calibre. And forget the nonsense about the transfer embargo. He got Pulisic, they kept Kovacic, he brought back Mount, Tamore and Abraham, who Sarri hadn't had use of. All three of them were key for Lampard in his first year. And all you need to do is look at Fakayo Tamore now, what he's doing for AC Milan. Look at Tammy Abraham, what he's doing for Roma. And look at Mason Mount, how important he is for Chelsea in England to see the calibre of those three players. So giving Lampard credit for playing them, giving Lampard credit for playing Reese James is a little bit forced. It's a little bit forced. Pereira has been around. He's won stuff. He's gone into leagues where he didn't have the language, where he wasn't working with a talent advantage. In China, he walks in to Shanghai. Guangzhou have won seven titles in a row. Odds on favourites to win number eight. And he wins the title. So when people talk about these leagues not being up to much, that's fine. If that's your view, that's okay. But it's not like he was working with the strongest set of players. When he went to Turkey the first time, Fenerbahce were not in a good situation. He took them to second in the league. Have a look at what they've done since. He went into Olympiacos. He did well there. He's been in four countries where he's been relatively successful with big clubs. Porto, Fenerbahce, Olympiacos and Shanghai. They're big clubs in different countries. Yes, the only job you can you can look at two jobs as failures. 1860 Munich, have a look at what was going on there. Have a look at where they are now. Have a look at what was happening to that club. And name me any manager in the world that could have done better. And his last stint at Fenerbahce did not go well. But again, look at what he took over. So Pereira is just a vastly superior manager to Frank Lampard. And he's right to stand up for himself and say that the fans won't scare him off. He is right to do that. Um, yesterday, after this podcast, more came out on Bruno Gomerich. Uh So Leon obviously came out and dismissed the reports that they'd agreed a fee. Uh, Fabrizio Romano is of the opinion that he knows more about the business of Leon than Leon themselves and was basically contradicting them, uh, which is always funny. Leon say there is no agreement in place in any way, shape or form with Newcastle. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, Newcastle are believed to be looking at both Ross Barkley and Delhi Ali as potential loan signings. If, they don't go ahead with the deal for Lingard, which they, you know, should not do. Burnley look like they're about to pull off a big signing. Now, Orsic is on the way by the, by the sounds of things. But they have made a bid for Wegghorst of Wolfsburg, Dutch international striker. One that I've been touting on this podcast as somebody that I thought Brighton should have signed to give them a focal point to their attack. He is 30 years of age, just turned. 
Is he 30 or 31? He could be 31. I think he's 30. Footweg Horse is... I'm wrong. He's 29. He's 29 years of age. 6'6". Big unit. Great in the air, but really good on the floor. Great control. Great at bringing others into the game. If Burnley add him, that's an upgrade on Chris Wood. And I like Chris Wood, but there's no question. Veghorst is a better player than him. Um, he will get goals. He's having a quieter season this year, but he got 25 in 41 games last season, 20 in 43 the year before, 18 in 36 the year before that. Prior to that, he was with AZ Alkmaar, 27 in 37, 18 in 49. This guy knows where the goal is, and he scores a lot of goals. You put him and Max Cornet up front, McNeil and Orsic in in the wide areas as inverted wingers, or maybe you go 4-2-3-1 with Orsic as the 10, Cornet off the right, cutting in, and then McNeil on the left, natural crosser. We've got Taylor coming from left back, Roberts from right back. That'll give them quite a bit of attacking versatility. They'll play the double pivot. It'll be, you know, Westwood and Cork or Westwood and Brownhill. And then behind that, you'll have Tarkovsky and me. And I think if Burnley get Veghorst and Orsic across the line, I think they're going to stay up. I do think they're going to stay up. Um, Veghorst would be an outstanding signing for them. Uh, according to the Independent, Frank Lampard is now the... Um, <laughs> It's now the favourite for the Everton job. If Everton get Lampard, Everton will automatically have the worst manager in the league and Everton will be in serious trouble of going down. Um, Manchester United are being linked to Roberto Mancini to take over in the summer when Ralph Ranić's caretaker spell, interim spell, ends. He's done a really good job with the Italian national team, but I'll say this, there's not a hope in hell he is leaving the Italian job before the next World Cup. Not a chance. He is going to manage them at that World Cup. Simple as that. Uh, Usman Dembele is being heavily linked with Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, I can see the appeal for both sides, him moving back to France, them signing a French international with a high profile. But can you imagine a front three with him and Neymar refusing to run? I don't know what the relationship between Messi and Dembele was like at Barcelona. I wouldn't imagine it was great. Mario Balotelli is back in the Italian squad. He's been called up for a training camp. Over three years since his last cap, he obviously has quite a bit of history with Roberto Mancini. He's having a good season this year. Uh, he's with Adana Dimaspor in Turkey, and he's playing pretty well. Now, they've called up 36 players for the three-day camp, so it's not like he's in the squad for a game. But still, but still, it is, it's good. It's good to see. I uh, I always have a soft spot for, for Mario. Um, the spoofer Romano has said, with regards to Luis Diaz, 
Player and agent side, there's no problem despite rumours. He dreams of the Premier League. Tottenham know the personal terms won't be an issue, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're telling us nothing that isn't already available in the public sphere, you spoofer. Uh, Thomas Muller could potentially be on his way out of Bayern when his contract expires next summer. He is being linked with <laughs> Newcastle and Everton. He's not going to either of them. Let's be real. Thomas Muller leaves Bayern. He's going to a top club or he's going to America or more likely he'll just retire. Um, Hull City will unveil ex-Rangers and Ajax striker Shota Arvaladze as their new coach at a press conference on Friday, according to BBC Radio Humberside. The 48-year-old will replace Grant McCann who was sacked on Tuesday following the club's takeover by Turkey-based Akun Magic Group. Arvaladze's CV includes stints in the Netherlands, Turkey, Israel, and most recently in, in Uzbekistan. Uh, Huller 19th in the championship, nine points ahead of relegation. I think they've done Grant McCann really dirty there. I think he's a very good young manager. I really do. I think he's a very, very good young manager. He brought Hull up from the from League One into the Championship last last season, and I think he's a good manager. I really do. Um, I know they went down his first season, but he's going to keep them up this year. He was going to keep them up this year. That seems really harsh, but you know, such is life. Um. Abdullah Dukure and Fabian Delph are expected to be out for a minimum of four weeks with injuries. Just what Everton need. Tom Davies also out injured. So they've got Alan and Andre Gomes as fit midfielders. And by the time they get a manager appointed, the transfer window is probably going to be as good as over. Arsenal have cooled on their chase for, for Artur. It appears that Juventus wanted it to be an 18-month loan and all Arsenal wanted was a six-month loan. Now, it seems like Edu was willing to go ahead with the 18-month loan, but he's been overruled, um, which, you know, says everything you need to know about Arsenal and what's going on there. Uh, Victor Asimian is the latest striker to be linked with Arsenal. Uh, a price of 70 million euro has been mooted. They paid that for him, so there's absolutely no chance uh, Derby have been given more time to prove funds. Derby County administrators have been given an extra month to provide proof of how the championship club will be funded for the rest of the season. The English Football League originally asked the administrators to provide details by the 1st of February. That has now been pushed back to the 1st of March to allow further talks with potential buyers. Derby have been in administration since September and remain in the relegation zone. Only eight points from safety, though, which is incredible when you consider they had 21 points docked from them. Um, I have to say, I want to know, and I saw Steve Gibson of Middlesbrough go right for the jugular on this, how much money are these administrators skimming off the top at this club? You know? That's what I want to know. So... I hope Derby gets saved. I really do. They're an institution in English football. They're a massively important club to the history 
of English football. They play a huge role in the story of Brian Clough um, and, and obviously many other things as well. But, you know, from when they're at the baseball ground to the, the new stadium and that, Derby have just been a great club. And it's horrible to see them going through this. They're incredibly important to their community as well. And you would hope that they get rescued. You would hope that they do. And if it's Mike Ashley, it's Mike Ashley. As long as his plan is to get them into the Premier League and then try and sell them, then that's better than what they've had. Um, right, what else do we have here in terms of news? We have... Alvaro Morata's deal to Barcelona looks unlikely. Uh, Atletico Madrid are not accepting another loan move and Barca can't register if they don't sell any players. Uh, but Juventus have made it clear they no longer want him. So it makes sense to, to, to bin him off. They're getting Vlahovic. Uh, Frank Lampard is set for a second interview at Everton report Chris Bascom and John Percy. It looks like Adama Traore could be off to Barcelona. Barcelona are working to sign Adama Traore from Wolves on loan with a 35 million euro buy option. Barcelona are speaking to Wolves and the 26-year-old. The deal is not done yet, but the deal to Spurs is all but over. Uh, club to club talks went positively, but he wasn't clean to play, keen to play right wing back. I think Spurs are having a lucky escape there, if I'm being honest. Uh, good news for Everton, uh, amid all the chaos, Lewis Dobbin, very talented young striker, has committed his long-term future to the club, signing a contract until 2025, so credit, the summer of 2025, so credit to him. Uh, what else do we have here? Forest, Nottingham Forest have rejected an £18 million move for Brennan Johnson by Brentford. Brentford have been really keen to get him in. This, I think, is the second bid that they've made for him. And it's a big statement of intent from, Nor from Nottingham Forest to turn that money down. Now, you'd imagine come the summer, he's probably on his way. But they are making a push for promotion. They're currently seventh, one point outside the playoff spots. Steve Cooper has done an incredible job there. He really has. When you consider what a dreadful season they were having when he took over and how he's been able to turn them around. It really is impressive. Uh, he took over on the 21st of September. Now, they had lost six of their first seven games. They had one point. They were 22nd in the league. And I believe the only reason they weren't 23rd is because Derby had points deducted. Sorry, I'm wrong. They were 24th. They were nailed to the bottom of the division. Nailed to the bottom of the division. They won their first game under Cooper. And they still stayed bottom, which will tell you how, how bad they've been. Uh, so they've gone under him. They've gone from bottom of the division to seventh. Having lost six of their first seven, they've only lost three of their last 21. That's really, really impressive. They're still in the FA Cup, having knocked out Arsenal. They went out of the League Cup before Cooper took over. They beat Bradford, but got walloped by Wolves. 
But Cooper's just done an absolutely fantastic job. I don't understand how he didn't get a Premier League job in the summer. I really don't. I think he is one of the best young managers in Britain right now. When you see what he did at, at Swansea with patchwork teams made up of lone players, getting them into the playoffs twice, so impressive. And great to see Forrest backing him by putting faith in this promotion charge. They've already brought in a couple of players this month. Uh, Keenan Davies on loan from Aston Villa. Steve Cook on a free transfer from Bournemouth, who will be okay in the back three there. He would have been badly exposed in the Premier League had he made a Premier League move. And they've brought in Richie Larea from Toronto FC, a Canadian international defender. So, you know, making moves. They spent a million quid on him. That's... That's a big outlay for them. It is a big outlay for a club like Forrest who've had some financial difficulties. They've kept Jed Spence till the end of the year. They're really settling in at a playoff portion. Look, it's not the most ludicrous thing in the world to imagine that they could potentially push even higher than just making the playoffs. They're only nine points behind Blackburn, who sits second. And there's 18 games to play. You know, they're six points behind Bournemouth in third. They really could make a go at, at automatic promotion. But if they get into the playoffs, given where they were when he took over, it would be incredible. And I'm actually just looking at this championship table now. Now, admittedly, Barnsley have played a game less. But it's incredible that Derby are not bottom of the league. Derby are 23rd, despite having had 21 points deducted. Barnsley are on 14 points, two wins all season. That is shocking. And the thing is that you look at the teams above them, Peterborough newly promoted, not looking great this season, could well go back down. Derby are only six points behind them. Reading are the team in 21st. They've had six points deducted for breaches in the profit and sustainability regulations as well. And they've been fairly awful this season. Cardiff on 23. If Derby can just keep this form up, even with the points deduction, Rooney might keep them up. If Wayne Rooney keeps them up, that is the biggest achievement of his footballing career. Forget anything he did as a player. This would be incredible. In those circumstances, it would be absolutely incredible. Like if they hadn't had the points deductions, they'd currently be sitting 14th. And that would be really impressive because of the circumstances that he's working in. But yeah, massive credit to Rooney. Massive credit to Rooney. Phil McNulty, who's one of those who's on the Lampard bandwagon, says Frank Lampard remains in serious contention to succeed Rafa Benitez as Everton manager, as owner Farhad Mashiri holds off on appointing previously favoured choice Vitor Pereira. The former Chelsea manager has already held talks with Everton's hierarchy and further discussions are expected in what has become an increasingly chaotic process. Pereira was in pole position 48 hours ago after impressing Mashiri in his interview 
and is still under consideration. But a toxic reaction from Everton's fans to the 53-year-old's appointment means Lampard is now a leading candidate. Derby County manager and former Everton striker Wayne Rooney is also on the shortlist, although he appears to be an outsider. Rooney, I don't think, would walk away from Derby at this point. Even for Everton, I don't think Rooney walks away. But Lampard is just... Look, I've said what I'm going to say about him as a manager. He's not a good one. But think of him as a person. Frank Lampard is openly a Tory. Liverpool is the most left-wing city in the country. How are you going to bring Frank Lampard into the city of Liverpool and think that that's going to work? How? Like, for some Everton fans, it just seems to be like he shouted at Klopp once. So that means I like him. But are you forgetting the fact that as he was shouting at Klopp, Liverpool scored, walloped Chelsea on the day and won the Premier League title? Um, Sevilla, Sevilla Sporting Director Monchi has spoken to Alex Bysouth about Newcastle's interest in Diego Carlos. The Newcastle, Newcastle offer was a good offer, a respectable offer, I have to say that. But the offer, our board, our management felt it wasn't the right time. They're going for the title. It makes sense. It makes sense for them to turn it down, even though it is a substantial amount of money. This could be exciting. Southampton are in talks with Tino Angerin over a permanent move. Chelsea had previously valued him at 17 million, but his loan at Locomotive Moscow, where they had the option to buy him for that figure, has been cut short. He broke his foot. Locomotive Moscow are a bit of a train wreck at the minute, in part because Ralph Ranić was there for six months and made a mess of things. But he's been sent back, and Chelsea are now open to selling him. We've seen Chelsea and Southampton have good, quick negotiations recently. Tino Livermento has been a revelation since going there. He might be the most exciting right-back in the country. The exciting young right back, under 21 kind of age. Um, obviously, Armando Brogia is at Southampton on loan, and they're looking to keep him on a permanent deal. With Angerin, he's another one from that Chelsea academy who just, for whatever reason, Chelsea feel like he's not making the grade there and he's available. I don't know if Saints will get him now. But apparently, if they don't get him now, they'll try again in the summer and he will be loaned to the championship for the rest of this season. Um, I think that could be really exciting for Southampton to get him in. He's exactly the type of player they need. They need someone in that middle line. So they play that 4-2-2-2, the four-box two. That attacking two, not the strikers, the, the attacking midfield two, is where they are at their weakest right now. So... Yeah, I think that one would make a ton of sense. Uh, I'll take a quick break. When we come back, we have questions and then we'll have the gossip and we'll be done for the day. Speak to you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So it is questions day, so let's jump into them. Uh, Barnsley asks, who will be fool enough to hire Claudio Ranieri next? 
hopefully not a Premier League team, so I don't call him Carlo for another six months or three months. But I, like, he will get another job. There will just be some silly club out there that will hire him, most likely in his homeland. You know how it is in Syria. Managers change every couple of weeks. There's there's somebody out of a job. Uh, if we look at Syria twenty. 21, 22, rather. Um, right. Managerial changes thus far. So there was obviously a bunch in the summer. But actually, to be fair, to be fair, it hasn't been as insane as it normally is. Uh, so Hellas Verona sacked Di Francesco and brought in Tudor. Cagliari sacked uh, Simplicy and brought in Mazzari. Salonatana made a change. Genoa sacked uh, Ballardini, who was awful, and brought in Shevchenko. And then they sacked him two months later. Um, Udinese have made at least one change. Sampdoria have made a change. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess... If I had to guess, this season, if he's to come back, I mean, Udinese wouldn't surprise me, considering they currently have a caretaker manager. So he's got the relationship with the Pozos. Maybe them. If not, I mean, Calgary, they might do it. They have a better manager now in Walter Massari, um, who's obviously funnily enough, managed Watford as well. But they are still in the bottom three. Uh, he's won only four of 22 games. They definitely didn't expect to be in the bottom three this season. So he could be, he could be, that could be an option. So I, I'll say, I'll say Udinese, but Cagliari wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, but somebody will. Somebody will be fool enough to hire him again. Uh, James, uh when doing the question about an 11 from Klopp, Mourinho, Conte or Pep, was Ronaldo's exclusion purposeful or did you just forget about him? I did just forget about him, didn't I? Because he played under Mourinho. But I like the team I put together, so I'm leaving him out. So, <laughs> so that's it. Um, okay, uh, Jitten van Dijk. Be interested in your thoughts on the Bayern situation and their DOF plus Oli Khan as CEO. I haven't watched the documentary. So this is said after watching the documentary. I haven't actually watched the documentary yet. So I will watch it and then I will I will come back about this. Uh, YNWA Foodie. I saw this on Twitter and it would be good to see who you would choose. Your favourite player of all time from these countries. Um, Belgium. Belgium, De Bruyne. It used to be Enzo Schifo, but I would it's De Bruyne has overtaken him. Uh Germany. Matthias Zammer. I, I I love Matthias Zammer. Lothar Matthias was the better player, but Zammer for me, that 96 German team at the Euros, it, it's my favorite national team of all time. So I'll go him. Uh Brazil. I loved Ronaldinho. I loved the original, the real Ronaldo. I loved Aldair. 
Roberto Carlos is probably it. Kaka. No, you know what? It's it's actually Romario. It is actually Romario. Argentina, it's Maradona. England. Gaza. The Netherlands, Frank Reichard. Spain, Sergio Busquets. Italy, Paolo Maldini. Portugal, Luis Figo. And France, Zinedine Zidane. Uh, Isaac Gilding, in your memory, who are some of the most fortunate title winners and who are some of the most unfortunate teams to get relegated any league, any time? Right, so starting off with most, most fortunate title winners, uh, the titles that Inter Milan were gifted both as a result of Calciopoli and then those couple of years afterwards when Juventus were relegated and basically had to start over and Milan were at a weak point. Those late 2000s titles of Inter uh, don't carry... The, the Mancini ones don't carry any weight with me. Uh, Leicester, obviously, just it, it's a fluke. It's a pure fluke. Um, so I'd say them... Um, Most unfortunate teams to get relegated. Borough in the 96-97 season, I think it was, where they had that wonderful team. They got the two cup finals. They wouldn't have gotten relegated if they'd just gone and played Blackburn. And, oh, there's a shout. Yeah, last Alex Ferguson title at United. Very, very fortunate. City bottled that title badly. Uh, Also, the... Manchester City title in 13-14. Brendan Rodgers doing what Brendan does. Um, yeah, that, that Borough team, they got points deducted for not being able to fulfil a fixture against Blackburn. And they lost the game. They were given a, a defeat in the game. If they just gone and lost, they would have stayed up. Um, you could have just played your under-14s. You, you could have played anybody. Just put 11 lads out there, get beaten, but stay up. Um City were really unfortunate to go down the first time they went down. Not not the time they went down and went down again, but the first time they went down, I seem to remember City being really unfortunate. And, I mean, you could make the case for Bournemouth going down when Villa should have gone down. Uh, but, you know, no, no sympathy for Eddie Howe here. Um... What are your top 10 late season collapses? This is from KR99. E.g. Uh, Spurs missing out on Champions League football on the final day of the 05-06 season. Was that the year they all had food poisoning? Was that that year? I think that might be that year. Uh, I, top 10 will take too long. I'll I'll say Liverpool 13-14. Um... United, the Aguero year. City, the following year. Gifting titles to each other. Um, although, am I wrong with that? Was it not? Did City collapse and United almost came back at them? That might be what it was. City collapsed, almost came back at them. But United did bottle. Newcastle, obviously, 95-96. Uh, the last two years of Leicester, without a shadow of a doubt. 
I think Spurs the year Leicester won the league as well. Like, come the turn of the year, Spurs should have kicked on and gone and won that title. It was there for the taking, and they bottled it. Um, but yeah, there's there's been some spectacular ones. There really has. Uh, okay. AMK2889. What is your opinion on the players listed below? Was their time at Liverpool successful, a push or a flop? If it didn't work, was there any reasons other than not being able to stay fit, such as playing style, maybe the style of the league itself or the players' attitude? Was their move to Liverpool something that excited, confused or worried you? Overall, did you enjoy watching any of these players? Uh, So he's given me a list of 12, no, 13 players. And James has added on three more. So we'll go through these and see. So Phil Babb is first. So Phil Babb excited me because it was he'd had the really good World Cup for Ireland. And at the time, I hadn't really grasped the idea that, Phil, that Paul McGrath was carrying him. Phil Babb wasn't all terrible for Liverpool. It's worth saying in the back three, he wasn't bad. He was pacey. He was decent on the ball. I think in a back four, he was probably more of a left-back. More of a defensive-minded left-back than a centre-back. I, I don't think he had the physical the physical tools to play as a centre-back. Um, but, yeah, he was a flop. He was a flop. Maxi Rodriguez, for what he was... For what he cost, which was, I think, 1.75 million, I would say Maxi was a success. He was brought in to be a depth attacker. He was a depth attacker. He was able to start for us for a while. And in fact, the best spell Liverpool had under Dog Leash, which was the end of the 2010-11 season, uh, when Suarez arrived and Andy Carroll was out injured, Liverpool played with Raul Morelos as a 10 behind a front three of Dirk on the right, Suarez as the nine, and Maxi on the left. And that was absolutely outstanding. And I couldn't understand why, when we went into that summer, we weren't just trying to upgrade on the three around Suarez and keep those three, then keep Dirk, keep Maxi, and keep Morellas as depth. Now, Morellas wanted out anyway over a new contract, but you know you could have had five front players Suarez, two goal scorers either side of him, and then Dirk and Maxi as depth, and Maxi could play play both sides. Dirk could play right side or through the middle. I never understood why. No, no, uh, not that I never understood. He had to get try and get something out of Carroll, but it was very clear from very early on that Liverpool were only going to be as successful as Luis Suarez could carry them to be. So building around him was key. Signing players like. Well, like Stuart Downing was just stupid. Um, and that remains the case now. And we should have been looking to upgrade on Dirk and on Maxi, find that replacement for uh, Morellas. Though that could have been Gerard, because Gerard obviously was out injured for a big patch at that time. So that number 10 spot could have been Gerard's. And then the upgrades to make were over the two midfielders, because Lucas obviously was never any good. And Jay Spearing wasn't up to much either. Um, instead, we bought Charlie Adam, uh, we bought Jordan Henderson, we bought Stuart Downing, and it was an absolute abomination. Uh, but Maxi, Maxi was a success. Uh, Dirk Hout, Dirk's an interesting one. He was obviously a success, but he was bought to be a number nine. So as a number nine, he was a flop. 
But as an overall purchase, definitely a success. Definitely a success. Um, Alberto Aquilani. We, we signed the wrong midfielder from Roma. We should have bought De Rossi, but he might not have left. Uh, Aquilani was very talented, very good when he played, not physical enough to play in a midfield two in English football. So he had to play as a 10, which meant Gerard playing deeper, which didn't work for anybody. Uh, unless Gerard had gone to the right wing, it wasn't going to work. It was pretty much doomed to failure. Wrong player at the wrong time. Uh, very talented. Very, very talented, but wrong player, wrong time. Albert Riera. Uh, so, yeah, Aquilani flop, but, you know, injuries and a bad fit. Riera, a push. Fairly much the prototypical Rafa Benitez hard-working winger. Had some good games, some bad games. Would go through stretches of just being anonymous. But when he was on, he was pretty good. I'd say a push. Uh, Morientes. I liked Morientes, but it was clear when we signed him it was the wrong signing at the wrong time. A little bit too slow for the Premier League. And he was on the backside of his career. I think we just signed him too late. Vladi Schmitzer. Uh, he'll always be a success because he scored in the Champions League final. But if you bought Vladi now, he would play off the left, not off the right. I think if you go and look back at his career prior to joining us, he had played a fair bit off the left. We tried to use him as more of a right winger. That wasn't his game. He wanted to come in field. He wanted to be more involved in the play. I think if he'd been used off the left in the Julier four four two, he would have been more of a success. Um, but he goes down as a success anyway because he scored in the Champions League final. Patrick Berger might be the most beautiful man to ever play for Liverpool. Rocket of a left foot. My belief to this day is he was bought to play left wing back because Roy Evans bought him. We played a back three at the time. We had McAteer playing right wing back. And I think he bought Berger to play left wing back and then realized he wasn't going to be good enough defensively. And then he didn't really fit anywhere after that. So I would say a push. I don't really think you could mark him as successful. Gibral uh, Cisse. Played a big role in us winning a Champions League, but overall it's a flop because he was signed for huge money. He was Julier's goodbye present to the club. Um, I do wonder... I do wonder if Benitez had been... I had a bit more control in those early days if maybe he would have said no. Now, he was very complimentary about we had that deal done on the 26th of May. This is what gets me about a club like Liverpool at that time. Yes, Cissé was one of the most highly sought-after young forwards in, in Europe at the time. But you, sat, you, you give Julier the authority to do that deal on the 26th of May and then you sack him a couple of weeks later. It doesn't really make sense. You allow someone to spend a club record fee and then you sack him. Um, Cissé, I think, would have been better in a two than he was ever going to be in a one. He wasn't really a line leader. I thought he was. Always, he always looked better as one of two up front. Um, Anelka was a success. We should have signed him permanently. I'll, I'll never understand why we didn't. 
Bernard Diamed push. Never really had any expectations for him. He, he did all right. He was tricky. Yeah, he was okay. Um, I was excited when we signed Anelka. And, I was, and that's probably the only one since Maxi that I was actually really excited for. Uh, Dirk was kind of just run of the mill. Aquilani, I had my worries. Riera, there was nothing to be excited about. Morientes, I was just more worried that we'd, we'd done something silly. Schmitzer, I didn't really know all that much at the time. Berger, the same. Uh, Barosh, the same. Yeah, I would say he's a success. What we paid for him, what we got out of him, I would say he's a success, even if he wasn't great for us. I was really excited about Nuri Sahin, and then Rogers had no idea how to use him. He flopped because Brendan Rogers is an idiot. Uh, Raul Morales, I knew he was fairly average. He had one good purple patch, which kind of colours what people view his spell at Liverpool as being. But overall, he was pretty bang average. He had that one good spell for about nine games uh, when he had that front three in front of him. Aside from that, he wasn't great. Um, all right, David Ngog. Didn't know anything about him when he signed. Um, I would say... You can't say he was a success, but I don't think he was a failure. I think you would say he was... Well, to be fair, to be fair, we got him for little or nothing. We sold him for four million. So that's pretty decent. Um, he retired from football at the age of 31. Played for Liverpool, Bolton, Swansea, Reims... Panionius, Ross County, Honved, and Zalgiris in Lithuania. Played three games for them and then retired. He scored more than 10 goals in a season once for Budapest, for Honved in Budapest. Um, his career high in a league campaign was eight. He had... The makeup of a good centre forward, but just had no idea what to do in front of goal. Um, Yossi Benayoun, I was excited by. I, I I'd enjoyed watching Yossi before we got him. I, I thought he was going to be better for us than he was. He was still good. I would say he was a push, but I thought he'd be better than he was. And finally, then Aurelio. I loved Aurelio when I'd seen him a few years earlier at Valencia, pre all the injury stuff. When we signed him, I didn't really have much expectations because he was 27 and injury prone. Knew he had a great left foot, but it was clear that Valencia were happy enough to let him go because of all the different injury problems he'd had, including a broken leg. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that one. Uh, Flatsy, have you watched the Neymar series on Netflix yet? No, I haven't actually. I must watch that as well. I do want to watch that Byron one, and then I will watch the Neymar one. If there's any others, if you want to throw them into Discord for me, and I will get to them. Uh, right, what else have I got here? Mikhail Campbell. Uh, what's your best 11s for both Roma and Lazio of players that you have seen play? Who would win a hypothetical match between these two teams? 
Uh, for the lover of agricultural, the lovers of agricultural football, what is your gammon and gravy Premier League eleven of the season so far? Right. Um, okay, so Lazio. I would say let me write these things down because otherwise I'll be forgetting what I'm doing. Mark, uh, no, Angelo Peruzzi would be the goalkeeper for Lazio. Um, in defence, Nesta is obvious. I think Sinisa Mihailovic is obvious. Um, Paolo Negro at right back. Um, do you know what? I'll put Mihailovic at left back. Because I want to put Nestor Sensini at centre back at centre back. So Mihailovic goes left back. So I've got Negro, Nestor, uh, Sensini, and Mihailovic. In midfield, it's Stankovic off the right, Nedved off the left, and in central midfield, it's Diego Simeone. And it's Juan Sebastian Veron. Up front, it's Hernan Crespo. Now, this next one, his best form wasn't wasn't for Lazio, it was for Valencia. But Claudio Lopez, I, I just loved as a player, so I'm going to put him in. Doff of the cap to Marcelo Salas, who I loved. Alan Bock, actually, do you know what? I can't, no, I can't. It has to be Pe Pepe Signore. It has to be. He's just like Mr. Lazio. So, yeah, I'll go Signore and Crespo up front. Um, Simone, Veron, Stankovic and Nedved in that kind of boxy midfield that they had. That is the title-winning midfield. And they had Almeida for depth, which is just incredible to have that quality of depth. Uh, they had Conceição. Then Mendieta came a couple of years later, I think. I think he came to replace Nedved. But, yeah, so that's my 11. Crespo and Signore up front. Stankovic, Simeone, Veron, Nedved, Negro, Nesta, Sansini, Mihailovic, and Peruzzi in goal. For Roma, Cafu obviously at right back. Aldair is one centre back. Um. I love. Costas Manolas, I know he's he's declined rapidly, but he's in my team. I I, I love him. Uh, Alison Becker is the best goalkeeper I've seen them have. Um, De Rossi is a holding midfielder. Emerson going box to box. Totti as the ten. I need one more in midfield. Up front, it's Batistuta. And I'm putting Salah. One more in midfield. Um, it's... 
It's pro yeah, Giuseppe Giannini, I, I think, is who I'd go for. Like if you think back to the early nineties, he was sort of the icon of, of Roma. They weren't particularly good. Um, but he was the captain. He was really, really good. Um he did win a league title with them back in nineteen eighty two. So uh yeah, I'll go with Giannini in midfield. So I'm probably missing somebody. I think I'm missing somebody from that. Am I missing somebody from that title winning team? Uh, almost. Let me see. Hmm. I, I have to drop Manless because I forgot about Walter Samuel. I'm an idiot. Walter Samuel, absolutely. Sensational. Um, trying to think, am I missing anybody from the title-winning team? Vincent Candela would be my left back. He was brilliant that season, absolutely brilliant. Up and down that wing, non-stop. So yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with. I'll go with Allison. Cafu, Aldair, Samuel, Candela, De Rossi, Emerson, Gianni, Totti, Batistuta, and Salah up front. Managed by Capello, obviously. And for Lazio, they've got to be managed by Sven. Uh, who would win, I think, was the next part of it. Who would win? I, I think the Lazio team would win. That Lazio team that won the title was is one of the best teams I've, I've ever seen. Um, that Lazio team was so strong in basically every area that they were just ridiculous. Like, Marco Gianni was a really good goalkeeper. Like, a really good goalkeeper. Um, Pancaro was a good defender. Negro was a really good defender. Nesta, obviously, we know what he became. Um, Favalli played left back, played at the centre back, hugely versatile. Sensini was there as sort of the old guard, the the leader, the organizer. They had Fernando Kutu in a a backup role. Like they had Salas Boxic. Mancini and Simone and Zaghi as their forwards, as well as Ravinelli, just in a squad role. Like that's five really good forwards. Marcajani obviously in goal. And then the midfield options are insane. Simeone, Veron, and Almeida as central op- options. And then you had Stankovic, Nedved starting in the wide roles. You can't say so, could play either wing and was brilliant. And you had Attilio Lombardo just for a bit of experience and depth. Like that is such an unbelievable squad. Crespo arrived, I think, the following year. Uh, when did Crespo arrive at? Crespo wasn't part of the title winning team, but quite clearly, Hernan Crespo included. Crespo and Claudio Lopez uh, arrived the next summer 
Mancini left and Boxic left and they just loaded up with even more. And they kept all the midfielders and added Ivan Della Pena and Dino Baggio and Karol Paborski just for more depth. They should have gone back to back. They really should have gone back to back. They finished second, I think. Third. Six points off top. Roma won the title that year, but that Lazio team should have gone back to back. They had a dodgy start to the season. They lost four of the first 13 and never really recovered from it. That Rome, that Lazio team is one of the best teams I've ever seen. I just wish they weren't managed by Sven because I'm not really a Sven kind of guy. Uh, Gammon and Gravy 11 for this season so far. Right. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, definitely a bit of Gammon. When it comes to the Aaron Ramsdale love, um, he also looks like a bit of a gammon head as well. So I'll say him. Um, the overrating of Ben White is hilarious, but he's he's very un. I don't know. Maybe he is a bit gammon. We'll just put him in anyway. Bit of Ben White there. Um, James Ward Prowse, absolutely. People love the gammon. All he can do is take set pieces, apparently. Um, seen Jolington getting too much love. He's having a, an okay time in midfield, but there's there's just too much too much for of me. Chris Wood. I'm putting Kieran Trippier in as well. Can't do anything with him cross. Um, Who else we got in here? Pontus Janssen. Big agricultural grok. Actually, you know what? We're leaving out Ben White. Grant Hanley. I've seen people bigging him up. Norwich are dreadful. The defence is, is a joke. And people are talking him up. They've considered 45 goals this season. The worst in the division. People are talking about Grant Hanley being a good defender. Um... At left back, I haven't had many many real agricultural left back, but it's got to be Dan Byrne, isn't it? Soon to be of Newcastle for ten million pounds. Um, I'm going to play Ward Prowse as a right winger, Jolington as a left winger. Um, you know, so you can get in at the back post to them Ward Prowse uh, crosses. In midfield, I mean, John Joe Shelby, it doesn't get more gammon than John Joe Shelby, to be fair. Kicks people and shoots aimlessly from all over the place. And John McGinn. With that arse, absolutely John McGinn. Up front, we've got Chris Wood and... Um, I mean, the Benteke, you know, get the two big lads up front. So you've got, what we've got here is we've got two Grocks at centre-back and Hanley and Janssen, Shelby and McGinn to kick people. Both of them can pass a bit, but their primary aim in all games is to kick people. 
we've got Trippier and Ward Prowse on the right, and their stated aim is just crosses into the box for Benteke, Wood, Jolington at the back post, and then when no one's expecting it, Dan Byrne throwing himself through the air, coming in late, late, late to get himself on the end of stuff. Uh, and finally, then we have Adam Hanlon, who sent me some questions on Twitter. Uh, the Liverpool fan base seem very divided on the potential of Luis Diaz. Some think he's a stat pattern Farmers League, but I disagree. I think he'd be a great signing. I think he'd be a great signing as well. I really like Luis Diaz. I think he's a, a hybrid of Suarez and Mane. I think he's got aspects of both of their games that I really like. I think he's got a desire that you generally only see in certain types of players, and that's players that have lived through really harsh times. I think he has that. I think his motivation is incredible. I think his self-belief is really impressive, and he's so good on the ball. So I, I really like Luis Diaz. I don't understand. People look at the Portuguese league and they try and dismiss it. The reason they do that is to try and dismiss Bruno Fernandes. No other reason. The Portuguese league is a good league. Luis Diaz is a very good player. And he would improve this Liverpool squad. And certainly, I think he'd improve the team because I think he starts over Mane. Or he starts left side and Mane moves centre. But, um, yeah, Diaz would be quality. We've been linked a lot with Rafinha. And I think all Liverpool fans would want him. What do you think about signing him to replace Firmino? And could he be turned into a false nine? I could see it working. He has given the tool that he has his box. The only concern I would have is the physical side of it because Rafinha is a small guy. He's 5'9", and he is fairly light. He's not like a, a heavy build. Um, he has the intelligence, the movement, the touch. He, he is wiry strong, but defenders can still shift him out of the way if and when they want to. Oftentimes... You know, you know, fouling him, but I think it would be a little bit of a waste of him. I think you need to give him the game in front of him. I, I, I can see what you're you're getting at, and I can see him, you know, dropping back into more of a ten role, and the two wide forwards shift in. But with the way Liverpool's team is changing ever so slightly, with that that new iteration of the right side at eight, I think that's the role for him the role that Harvey Elliott was playing earlier this season, or failing that, I think, left wing, because he can play it as an out-to-in sort of role rather than the in-to-out right wing role, and he can be driving at centre-backs at pace with the ball at his feet. So in the older style of how Liverpool were playing, say pre, I'd say Christmas of last season, I would say yes, he could play as the nine but it would largely be, you know, us shifting to a diamond and him playing as a 10. Uh, but in this current setup, I, I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I do definitely want him. Uh, I think Bellingham won't be a possibility for this summer. What do you think of Ramsey or Gallagher instead? Wildcard, Jolinton. No, we've just put Jolinton in the gammon and gravy team. So, unfortunately, he's out. Um, Ramsey, no, not yet. I need to see a lot more. But certainly very talented. If I was signing someone from Villa, it would be Carney Chukwemeka. And the reason I would go for him is because I think he'd be a lot cheaper. He'd also be coming in as a squad player. Um, Gallagher I've been impressed with. 
I do think his technical side is a bit limited, and that's maybe where he'll fall down at Chelsea. But certainly his energy, his work rate, his dynamism, his aggression, all very, very impressive. Times his runs well, so you can tell he's an intelligent player. Um, I don't think Chelsea would do business with us. I don't think he's good enough to start for us. Bellingham, I don't think, is an option this summer either. I think he's an option for next summer. I think he will be the signing for 2023. Uh, this summer, I think uh, Chouameni is the, the better option. Um, I'm also a fan of Daichi Kamada at Frankfurt. Have you watched him? Do you think he'd be someone that Liverpool could do with a bit of homework from Klopp's School of Magic? I think it could work. So he has been on my list of players that maybe, maybe could step up to Liverpool for the last couple of years, I really think he could play the Bobby role. I think he could do that false nine kind of role. Now, admittedly, he's not a big-time goal scorer with Eintracht. I think his best was 10 in his first full season there. But I do like him. I, I do really like him. I think, what age is he now? 24? 25? I don't think as a midfielder he works for Liverpool, but maybe in that right-sided eight role. But I do like him in that sort of floating false nine sort of position. He's played there a bit. I think it could work. There's a lot of similarities between him and Bobby. And it, that's something I would look at. Um, he got 16 in the Belgian Pro League. I think he largely played in, in, a, in a forward role in that season as well. So, yeah, I, I do really like him. Um, he could be a good option to bring in for depth, for certain. Yeah, he could be a good option to bring in for depth. Um, and Okay, uh, last question then is from Gautam. Uh, he's a good guy. I actually hadn't seen him on Twitter in a while. Uh, I was wondering... Could you address this? Who do you think are the five biggest talents in the SPL and which Premier League clubs do you think they would fit best with? Right. Um, oh. So the thing with the SPL is the, the standard is well below the Premier League. The standard of SPL is by and large League One with a couple of championship level teams thrown in. And sort of elite young Scottish players do get plucked away fairly quickly. They don't end up staying north of the border for too long. One that I do really like is David Turnbull of Celtic. Now, again, there's a bit of bias there, obviously, because I am a Celtic fan. And I do watch them more than most. But at 22, I think he's ready for a move south. I like the idea of him in sort of a Ward-Prowse type role in a midfield four, playing tucked in off the right, but able to move out to the right and use his excellent crossing ability. I think he'd be a really good fit at Everton with two aerial threats like... Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up front, having someone like him play as part of a midfield three that shifts to a midfield four. So what you'd be looking at is, say, him, Alain and Dukure in a three. Alain is the eight. 
Alanis, Alanis the six. Him as the right side at eight. Dakure as the left side at eight. And then a front three of, say, McNeil on the left, Richarlison on the right, and Calvert-Lewin as the nine. And when you have the ball, it flips to become a 4-4-2. Turnbull goes right wing, McNeil goes left wing, and the two boys play up front. When you lose the ball, it can become a 4-3-3 or 4-5-1. So David Turnbull will be the first one. Uh, he is one that I do like. Um, I haven't seen a huge amount of him, but I have been pretty impressed with Jamie Hamilton, the young defender at Hamilton Academical. Uh, funny that that's his name and that's who he plays for, but such is the way it is. He can play pretty much anywhere across the back line. He is nominally a centre-back. He's a little bit on the small side, so he might be more of a defensive right-back, uh, depending on the league he goes to. I don't know that he's a centre-back in the Premier League, but he's he's a player I do like. I think he's calm and composed on the ball, reads the game fairly well, and um, yeah, he, he's one to keep an eye on. I like Calvin Ramsey, obviously, the young, uh, the young right-back from Aberdeen. And I think he could come down to the Premier League and certainly be a squad player to begin with. But if I was Brentford, he's someone I would be looking at. If I was Brentford, I, I would be looking at Calvin Ramsey. Uh, to bring him in, you need a right wing back. I think he's more than comfortable on the ball to play that role. He's quick. Reads the game quite well. He's got that youthful aggression that you like to see. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously one. Um, Josh Doig, I, I guess, will be the next one. Young centre-back at, at um, Hibs. He's been around for a while now. I think he came through at Queen's Park, or he was on loan at Queen's Park, maybe. He can play a little bit of everywhere. Uh, he's played probably more left-back than centre-back. I think he is a natural centre-back, but he's played probably more left-back. He can also play in midfield, which gives him real versatility. So if you're looking for a manager who likes players who can play a multitude of positions, he could be your guy. So for a club like Leeds United, I think he'd be a good fit. I think he's naturally a left-sided centre-back in a three. I think if I was to pigeonhole him, that's where he'd be, but... Can play left back, can play centre back, can play in midfield. Yeah, he'd be number four. Um, after that, I am struggling a little bit. I am struggling a little bit. Harry Cochrane is is one who I thought would be further along in his development. You might remember him. He scored for Hearts in that 4-0 win over Celtic that ended Celtic's long unbeaten run. Um he was meant to be a, you know, a develop into a big time player for them. Hearts have done a really good job at getting players to the age of like 16, 17, 18 and then stopping their development at that point. Uh, he actually left in the summer. I think he's a Queen of the South now, which is obviously a, a fair step down for him from Hearts. But yeah, he he was one that I thought would, would develop quite well, and he just hasn't so far. 
Um, I suppose... Kai Kennedy. Kai Kennedy. He is owned by Rangers. He's out on loan at Hamilton. Now, he's only just gone there, I think, in, in the January window, but he's a left winger. He's tiny. Is the oh, My only worry with him is he is tiny, so maybe it's not him. Maybe I'll leave him out. Um, you know what? Who's that centre-back that Aston Villa want? Aston Villa... Scottish Central Defender. Uh, what was the name? What's this kid? Kerr Smith. Kerr Smith. He's probably then the other one to, to throw in. Now, I haven't seen a whole lot of him, um, but he is hugely regarded is he gone to Villa he's gone to Villa oh Villa have actually signed him I didn't realise Villa had actually signed them so he was at Dundee played 10 games before he turned 17 that's really impressive so uh, Villa have signed him in a fee that could be worth up to 2 million and he's gone into their academy so yeah I mean that's the last one I was going to say aside from that I'd be a bit lost but I'd go I'd go Turnbull, Doig, Hamilton, and Ramsey. That'd be the five. And that's pretty much that. So let's just wrap up with the gossip, and then we're out for the day. Uh, Bayern Munich Ford Thomas Muller has attracted interest. Yeah, he's not going to go to Newcastle Reverend. Barcelona are working on a plan to raise $100 million to sign Erling Haaland. €100 million, Euro, that is. What about the... Um, what about the two hundred million it'll cost to pay him over the life of his contract? How, how are you going to work that out? Uh, Bruno Gomes has told the club he wants to move to Newcastle. I doubt it, but you know he might end up there. I, I have doubts. I have doubts. Manchester United are considering appointing Ralph Ranick after a promising start. God, the standards are on the floor at, at United. Frank Lampard is the leading contender to become Everton manager. Talk about standards on the floor. Everton's are buried in a, in a casket 100 feet under the ground. Um, Newcastle and Arsenal are targeting Victor Simeon, who's valued at 60 million. They paid that for him. Why would they take that back? Uh, Arsenal have joined Manchester City and Liverpool in the race for Cody Gakpo. Brighton have rejected an offer for Newcastle from Newcastle for Dan Byrne. Interesting. I thought they'd accept that, to be honest. Newcastle have resumed talks to sign Mitchell Backer. Imagine they they stole talks going and chasing fanciful dreams. Uh, Southampton are prepared to pay a club record £25 million to sign Armando Brogia permanently. Interesting. Uh, the Newcastle looks set to be frustrated. Jesse Lingard, blah, blah, blah. Tottenham have agreed to loan Tangoy and Dembele to Valencia. Nobody nobody reputable has reported that. Uh, Adama Triori is view, now viewed as an option. Imagine they're going to replace Usman Dembele with Adama Triori. Outstanding. Liverpool defender Nat Phillips has been the subject of interest from Newcastle, West Ham and Watford. I think he's going to end up at Newcastle. 
Uh, Liverpool have made contact with Paolo Dybala. I doubt it. His age would, would rule him out. Arsenal's hopes of signing Arthur Mello are in doubt. The Serie A giant seeking an 18-month loan. Uh, Arsenal are expected to firm up their interest in Douglas Luiz. Douglas Luiz would actually make sense for Arsenal. Uh, AC Milan have made an offer for Pierre-Emerick Gabamon, but he has demanded to be paid more than double what Slatan has paid. That just proves to me that that story is a lie. Uh, Leicester are trying to sign Angers Ford, Mohamed El Cho, who's also been linked with Tottenham. Leicester have done a really good job at targeting young players in the last little while. West Ham and Crystal Palace are eyeing a move for Senegal and Marseille striker Bamba Dieng. Apparently Marseille wouldn't sell for eight million. That'd be a great signing for either of them. Good depth player, potential to become a starter, no question. Brighton have seen their bid for Spain forward Abel Ruiz rejected by Braga. Uh, he is a number nine. They do need a number nine. He's not, however, a... I don't think he's the type of number nine they need. I think he fits more into the Mope sort of group. He's got two goals in 22 games a season. Like, Jesus wept. Sign someone that scores goals, Brighton. William Saliba wants to return to Arsenal, despite rumours suggesting he could join Marseille in a permanent deal. Um, I think if he's smart, he goes back to Arsenal, sees how it is for six months, and if they're not playing him, ask out. Manchester City are set to sign 17-year-old Hungarian, Hungarian winger Zalan Vangsa from MTK Budapest. Interesting. Uh, Tottenham could use Giovanni Lo Celso as part of a deal to sign Diego Carlos. I just don't think so. And Barcelona are confident of signing Cesar Azpilicueta on a free. It looks like Chelsea are about to lose at least two of those defenders who are on free transfers this summer. Um, that's it then, folks. That is me for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves and goodbye. Podcast Network.